Naples is Italy in the extreme. Splashy sunshine, bellissimo people, rustic and tasty cuisine, romance on Vespas, and vibrant markets. Hi, I'm Rick Steves. Locals call it Napoli, and it's one of the most chaotic yet rewarding urban scenes in all of Europe. On today's edition of Travel with Rick Steves, we're joined by an American-born tour guide who now lives in Naples. Nina Bernardo will fill us in on the urban jungle she calls home. And we'll venture with Nina to Pompeii, Sorrento, and Capri, all just a short hop from Naples. We'll also open the phones and hear from people just like you who were able to fend off the scam artists in the city so that the only thing Naples stole from them was their heart. An insider's guide to Naples and the nearby Amalfi Coast is coming right up on Travel with Rick Steves. Stay with us. This podcast of Travel with Rick Steves is brought to you by Travelocity. You can explore great destinations by visiting Travelocity.com. Without a doubt, Naples is one of Italy's most intense cities. In a few minutes, we'll get an insider's guide to Naples and the nearby resort areas of the Amalfi Coast. But let's start with some of your stories. Tell us how you've survived the scam artists that seem to thrive in places like Naples. Our phone number, 877-333-RICK. Or email us at radio at ricksteves.com. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, when they travel by train in Italy, they're a little stressed out because it just seems like there's a thief on every train, union rules. I guess what I would say is there are reasonable safeguards you can take uh, and you can learn from other people's experience. And if you're reasonably on the ball, I don't think it's uh, unnecessarily risky. But let's talk to some people who have had some experience with trains in Italy. And we've got some callers in the line with just that experience to share. Nancy in Los Angeles. Hi, Nancy. Oh, hi, Rick. How are you? Great. So you've had some fun on the trains in Italy, huh? Oh, definitely. Tell us about it. Okay. Well, um, on the train from Rome to Naples, where we were traveling on our way to Sorrento, um, I'd read up on all the scams in Naples, and so I was, especially the, the Circumvesuviana, the commuter train to Naples, and so I was getting extremely nervous, and I had... Um, hidden all my credit cards, put money in my shoes. Like, I, I was just ready, you know, waiting for any anybody to try and scam me. So um, hold on here, Nancy, just for a sec so people know. We're talking the Circumvesuviana. This is the sort of the rickety, clunky, old-fashioned commuter train that serves Naples and the whole Bay of Naples, going through Pompeii, Herculaneum, under Mount Vesuvius, and then all the way to the beautiful resort town of Sorrento. It's a one-hour trip, and it's just uh, really packed with local commuters coming and going from Naples, and it's notorious for uh, tourists heading down to Sorrento or to Pompeii and getting ripped off, right? Exactly. Okay, and tell us the story. It's definitely a little grittier than um, the uh, rail Eurostar, which we were just debarking from. And as soon as the train um, stopped into the Naples station, uh, my companion and I, who um, were both uh, females in our late 20s, and um, our plan was that I would hand, she would get off the train and I would hand her baggage on the platform. While we were in the midst of that, um, this rather raggedy-looking urchin came up to us and uh he actually grabbed a bag from me that I was trying to hand to my friend. And he was speaking Italian, and he kept, like, he had a really firm grip on it. And I thought, like, either he's trying to steal our stuff or he'll take our stuff but then demand um, some money for them. So um, I, kept, I just kept shaking my head and saying, grazie, no, um, but he wouldn't take no for an answer. So I just yelled, um, via at um 
the top of my lungs, and he scattered away. He completely uh, took off. So I think that um, being bold and um, just sort of showing that you have some street smarts and just know the score, I think that so helps this a was, lot. You said via? What does that mean? Uh, via, and um, I think it means just go away. Via, via. So you knew that. Yeah, and that's, I did. And that would just be a good thing for somebody who's concerned to have a few words ready to go and holler when necessary, and then he scrammed, huh? <laughs> right. I uh, mean, I, I think so. Now, um, was this guy pretending he was going to be helpful and help you carry your bag off the train? Yeah, but just, um, you know, I've lived in several cities, um, big cities in the U.S., and just from the looks of him, he didn't look very trustworthy. Because it would be a shame if he was actually a good Samaritan with a with a well-worn jacket. But you do have to be <laughs> more cautious in that case you know, rather than uh, be too trusting, right? Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, I'd rather come off come across as rude than get scammed. Yeah. You know, I think this uh, Circumvesuviana, it is it feels more scary than it is, but there's a lot of con artists there that will not – you're not in – I don't think you're in that much physical danger, but you're in danger of just being conned by people who know there's a lot of wealthy tourists getting off of the big fancy train and then getting on the funky little commuter train, and that's where they target you. So that's a good heads up. Exactly, and so we were a little bit freaked out at this point and a little bit paranoid, um, you know, not to let it ruin our trip. So we started walking toward the Circumvesuviana, and you're right, it's definitely very funky and gritty and uh, just more of the inner city rail, and so... Um, I, I spotted these really big, burly um, travelers, and they looked like um, they definitely looked American or Australian. I mean, they had the fanny packs and the backpack, um, but they looked friendly enough. So I walked up to them, and I said, you know, are you going to Circumvesuviana as well? And it turned out to be um, they turned out to be two Australian constables, um, police constables on their way as well. So we just, we walked with them, we bought our tickets and rode the Circumvesuviana, chatting with them, um, but just felt very safe. And, you know, uh, that's a brilliant tip. So for uh, women who are a little uh, uh, unnerved by a train like that, simply find a couple of big tourists and pal around with them <laughs> for a while. That's probably your best bet. Nancy, thanks so much. Thank you very much. Bye now. Bye-bye. And Ash is on the line in Tulsa. Hi, Ash. Hi, Rick. Thanks for having me on your show. You bet. What's your experience with trains in Italy? Well, we had uh, just arrived from into uh, Naples from Venice. And uh, as we were walking down the platform heading for the Circumvesuviana, uh, someone called out Sorrento. I uh, looked over, and there was a fellow there with a, some sort of a uniform on. And I stopped and he said, I work for the railroad. He said, are you going to Sorrento? I said, well, yes, we are. And uh, he said, well, it's right over there. And he began to give me directions on how to find the terminal. And, of course, I had uh, studied up on your book. I knew exactly where to go. But uh, he latched on to us like, <laughs> like a leech. We just couldn't shed him. Huh. And... Uh, I figured I was getting conned, but we just kind of went with it. And uh, anyway, before we knew it, he was carrying our bags. And now, I will say he uh, took us right to a, a different uh, ticket window. The regular one's on the left, but he took us to the ticket window on the right of the passageway. And we got around a line of uh, quite a few people to buy our tickets. But anyway, he took us down to the platform and then offered him five euros. And, of course, that wasn't enough, so 
anyway, by the time we had uh, negotiated a little bit, it uh, it ended up being uh, 15 euros for him to escort us down there. Okay, so let me get this straight. He took you to a ticket booth where you saved a little bit of time standing in line, and yes. you, you bought the tickets there with his uh, help, and he That's carried right. your bags to the track. Right. So he didn't really steal anything from you, but he just got you in a situation where you had to tip more than what you think was fair. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, he was a consummate uh, con artist. Yeah, so these guys, they know, and they're, you're a polite guy, and you figured it's better to be ripped off by $20 than to uh, cause a big scene, and, and they're good at putting us in a position like that. That's unfortunate. Absolutely, and uh, our train was coming around the, the curve into the terminal about that time, so yeah, they I didn't want to spend a lot of time arguing. These guys are it, experts. It was an interesting experience. And you know, there's a lot of people, even these days, a new scam in Italy is that, and all over Europe and uh, in your travels, is that pickpockets will dress as as professionals, as, as well-dressed businessmen, and also as tourists. So, you know, you've just got to be on the ball. You don't, I don't want people to be paranoid, but you were, uh, that's a good example for you there. That just smelled funny, you know, and you're just going to have to uh, be, be better, better be uh, safe than sorry in that case. We got by cheap without, uh, yeah. without too much uh, heartache. It's a cheap memory, Ash. <laughs> Absolutely. Ash. All right. Hey, thanks for your tip. You're quite welcome. Bye now. Bye-bye. Mm, 877-333-RICK or radio at ricksteves.com And Donna in Albuquerque has more travel tips. Hi, Donna. Hi, Rick. And how's your experience with the trains in Italy? Well, my experience has a happy ending. Well, that's good. (laughs) And it was in the train station. Um, I had, of course, memorized your book, and you warned us about thieves in the train station, and I was traveling alone. So whenever I went to the train stations, I had my purse on bandolier style inside my jacket, turned backwards, just like you told me, and I also had all my cash in my money belt, and I had my rolling suitcase, and then I had my bag where I think you said, oh, darn, I bought way too much stuff in Italy. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's my don't tell Rick bag for the big shoppers, yes. <laughs> that's right, that's right. So before I left Albuquerque, I had practiced walking around my neighborhood, and I'd, I'd gotten this little dog leash to put on my wrist, and then I strapped it through the rolling bag, and then I learned how to put my big bag over the top of that, so it was all attached. So but you're all tied together, so if I'm they're going to take your bag, they're going to get you with it. <laughs> That's right. Oh, boy. And so I was standing in the tabatch line there at the Naples station because I wanted some cookies, and just like you said... The, this woman came up next to me like she was cutting in line, and as we moved up, you know, my American dander got up, and I, she's not going to cut in line on me. Right. And then from the right comes a guy who's talking in Italian saying, I'm going to miss my train, can I cut in line? And then, of course, I got to the line, and the instant they handed me my cookies and my change, the other guy came from the left. So I'm juggling all this stuff, and the, the guy on the left was asking me for money, and I could feel the woman behind me pulling on my my uh, bag wow. and then the guy on the right he was pulling on my purse and all of this was happening and I was dropping my change and I turned and the your big bag kind of went off to the side and they saw the leash uh. it, I bought a bright pink one so they saw the leash and when the guy realized that my purse wasn't coming off <laughs> they figured that if they had if they got my stuff they were getting me too. Yeah. And that was just too much for them. They scattered. And they're not, you know, they're not going to hurt you. That's the thing. So they just thought, well, this is not going to work for us. And they, they scattered <laughs> and they'll hit somebody without a leash. Boy, welcome to Naples, huh? Thank you. 
Oh which, my goodness. You know what? It 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 was of course disconcerting, but I've got to tell you, it was the only negative thing of an entire month in Italy. And it makes for a great story. It's a great story. I've got this image of you with your pink leash. <laughs> these people, you're just at a desk buying a cookie, and uh, these guys come in. You know, they target the tourist, and then they come on both sides. And it's just important for people not to be discombobulated. You've got to have your gear together, zipped up, and one thing at a time, and well-organized. And uh, you're less vulnerable in that case. And it sounds well, like and, you were. Well, and I had done everything you told me to do, and they were thwarted. And and I wasn't hurt. I didn't lose anything, and I got my cookie. Good for you. Now, when I'm on the train with my bag, I don't have a pink leash, but I do have the arm strap, and I just strap that over the uh, the luggage rack above my head, so that I don't lock it, but I just have it strapped onto the rack, so that you know uh, when the train goes into a tunnel and it's pitch black, and a, and a thief pops into the room, he's already scammed out the train, and he knows which bag he wants to get. He grabs my bag, he pulls it, and it doesn't go. He's not going to say, Scoozy, how's your bag attached? You know, you've foiled his <laughs> theft attempt just by that simple tying the leash around the uh, the rack or something like this. Well, Rick, maybe you should get a pink leash and make a fashion statement. Hey. Hot pink. Hot pink. <laughs> All right. Hey, well, thanks for your travel wisdom. My pleasure. Bye now. Bye. Well, don't let these stories about scams at the Naples train station face you. It's still one of Italy's must-see cities. We'll get the inside scoop on Naples and the surrounding areas up next on Travel with Rick Steves. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. I want to take you to the most exciting city from a rough-and-tumble urban jungle point of view. I think anywhere in Europe, we're going to Napoli. Napoli, the birthplace of pizza, Sophia Loren, in some ways the birthplace of organized crime. I think a place that you will really get Italy in the extreme. And I've got with me somebody, an American, who's lived 10 years in Italy, and she's lived for the last year in Naples, Nina Bernardo. Nina, thanks for joining us. Sure, glad to be here. Now, your parents grew up in southern Italy, right? Yes, they did, in a very small town in the south. And uh, you grew up in Ohio, right. but now you ended up back in Italy. Right. Where would you rather live and why? I would much prefer to live in Italy. I went there not intending to stay a very long time, but Italy is addicting. And, really? Yeah, the longer you stay, the more you want to stay. And, and of all places, you chose Naples to live in. I know, that's... <laughs> That must take some explaining. Yeah, it does take some explaining. I mean, you could have chosen Florence or or Siena, but you chose the urban jungle. I did, and if I had said to someone, if some, when people ask where do you live, and I say Naples, usually their face drops, and that makes me a little bit sad because I think Naples is a really, really wonderful city. So, how is Naples misunderstood, and what's so good about it? Um, 
it's a gritty place and it's very densely populated and it's got um, high unemployment and high poverty and it does have a mafia presence and it does have some juvenile delinquency. But and less are, parks per square mile, I think, than New York right, City. Right, very little open spaces. And so Neapolitans are always in the street. And for me, Neapolitans are the best of Italians and the worst of Italians altogether. And so when you have any kind of extreme like that, it's going to be intense. So, you, so you're going for the gusto. Right. I yeah, wanted I a challenge. <laughs> My first time in Naples, I think I, I was a teenager. I got off the train and I was ready for an adventure. And I was, a, I was just sort of a rough, a uh, little street urchin kind of teenager with a year rail pass and no money. And, uh, I got off the train in Naples and you've got this vast market square sprawling out in front of the, the train station. They call station it the there. Babylonia of Naples. Oh, do they? The yes. Babylonia of Naples. Yes, and it's dusty. It's hot. There's all sorts of people that just look like the kind of people your mother would say to run from. And a man came up to me in a white surgeon's gown. And he said, we need blood for a dying baby. And I just thought, I'm out of here. I got back on the train and I went straight to Greece. I didn't get to see Naples on that trip. But I went back and and I've really gained an appreciation for Naples. I don't recommend sleeping there. I like people to sleep an hour south in Sorrento. But for sure, go into Naples. Wander around the city. It's a cultural scavenger hunt. And uh, uh, you gain an appreciation for it. And it really is. It really is unguarded Italy. It's it's Italy in your laps in so many ways. I asked a man I met in the street to describe uh, Naples in one word, and he said, abundant. <laughs> it's an abundant city. It's uh, uh, a good word. I, I just love it. Uh, you know, my, my, my memories of Naples are um, death posters on the walls. When people die, they still put sure, a black and white poster up yeah. there. Uh, baskets being hauled up and down between 10-story high tenement uh, apartment blocks. Local saints, you got this Padre Pio, votive offerings, uh, lots of superstitions, good luck. Sort of a police trying to keep order, but, but chaos at the same time. People think red lights are discretionary, I think. People just That's really true. into lovemaking on Vespas. I mean, they don't have enough <laughs> space in their house, so they get together on their Vespa. Uh, a different sort of uh, a- atmosphere everywhere you walk. Uh, and then you see kindergarten teachers taking their kids out for a walk, and they're all holding hands going through all of this chaos. Let's talk a little bit about that. First of all, you've got the local saint. Isn't, is the Padre Pio, is that the guy? Padre Pio is not um, from that area, although he's revered in all of the south of Italy. He's okay. actually from a small town in Puglia, but you cannot go anywhere in the south of Italy, meaning you can't go anywhere in Naples without seeing his picture or his statue or some offering to him somewhere. And then uh, apparently, did he live in the last century? Yes, he did. And he was he's the most recent saint made. So he's become a saint. He was sort yes. of fast-tracked to saint. Very fast-tracked, absolutely. And you have to do uh, miracles to be a saint. Right, and so they found two miracles to attribute to him. And these votive offerings are a little souvenirs that people tack onto the wall of the chapel. Right. Uh, thanking him for answering their prayer, essentially. Right, exactly. And or, are, or bringing their needs to him as a saint who can represent them up right, in heaven. Right, exactly. And there are several other of those. There's another one in um, the Gesù Church in Napoli, Giuseppe Moscato, and he was a doctor who was made a saint, and he has an entire chapel dedicated to him, and the walls are covered with these ex-votos. They're usually little silver enameled plaques right. of a leg or a heart or a pair of eyes. So somebody had a heart problem, right. they'd go to the votive shop and buy a, a heart plaque. Right. Like and we, we would go to the Hallmark shop and buy a, a card. about. Right, you know. so you don't send a thank you card, you get a, a voto. Uh-huh. And there okay. are streets in Naples dedicated to shops that sell these ex-votos. Do people pay to put a voto in a chapel like that? I don't believe they do. You probably give an offering. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's fascinating. I remember going to the uh, Moscati, Father Moscati. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's even a, a shell from World War II, I think, that right, crashed that through the church and it didn't explode. Right. And Why not? 
Father Moscati. Exactly. And you've got these death posters everywhere. I think this is uh, an indication that the neighborhoods are still strong, people know each other, and uh, maybe they buy an obituary for the newspaper, but they print up a poster and plaster it all over the walls. Right, and you will see that again in the south of Italy, much more so in Naples. And it is very, Naples is a really, really big city, but it's a, you feel like you're almost living in a small town because every neighborhood is your home and everything you need there. Um, is there for you. And so it's very much of a family. And so that these death posters are important because you're letting the whole of the neighborhood know what's going on. And they'll grieve with you. Right. And um, there's some term for living in the streets in Naples. I forget the word, word but but the neighborhoods in the Spanish quarter, the old rough, rough quarter. In the Quartier Español. The life is in the street. And everybody, they pull up, they set up their little picnic, their foldable chairs and their uh, collapsible tables. And, right. And they got their bottle of wine and their children are playing and the grannies are knitting and the whole thing. Right. A part of this is because a lot of Neapolitans still live in what's called basi. Basi means um, low houses. Mm. So when you're walking down, especially in the Quartier Españoli in the Spanish Quarter with these tenement buildings, people are living in these one-room apartments on okay. the ground floor. So their front door opens out into the street. That's it. And so if you've got four or five people living in a one- or two-room apartment, where do you live your life? Out front. Out in the street. Out front. And you've got a lot of superstitions in Naples, I think. Yes, absolutely. I love the superstitions in Naples. My favorite balcony in Naples is um, a woman who's hung everything to keep out the bad spirits from her uh, from her house. So she has horseshoes. She's got the um, pepper. She's got garlic. She's got everything that will keep every bad spirit away from her house. They have these evil eye things there? Yes, exactly. Uh, so you've got so, all of these little medallions that you're right. dangling around. Now, when I'm in Italy, there's almost... A religion. I mean, people are all Catholic nominally, but I think their first religion is football, soccer. Right. In fact, I even saw a little temp, a little tiny shrine in the wall, like you see shrines to different s- saints. To and Maradona. This was to Maradona. And I think it's kind of a play on words because Madonna. Right. But, but this is the uh, Pele of a generation, right? One of the great soccer players, Maradona. Right, absolutely. And he has his little shrine on Spacanopoli, which is a main street in the heart of Greek-Roman Naples. And you'll often see people um, stopping by there, leaving flowers there for him. Is that right? Yeah, as if you were a saint. Wow. Have you been to a soccer game there, a football game? Uh, not in Naples, but I have been to one. Yeah. I've, I've heard they're just just wild. They're wild. Just wild. I heard of an instance where a man was so upset with his team that um, he threw his prosthetic leg out into the field because his team had lost and oh. played badly. Oh, my goodness. What an insult to the team, huh? Okay, Naples is famous, in my mind, for three, three things. Pizza, Sophia yes. Loren, and organized crime. Yes. Let's talk about that. Pizza. This is the birthplace of pizza, they say? The birthplace of pizza. This started out as a breakfast food for the fishermen down by the port. And so they started out with just bread and a little bit of tomato sauce on the top. And then they added the fresh mozzarella cheese and some other things. Yeah. And when I go to, there's a couple of pizzerias that vie for the, the, you know, the venerable first place that really served what we know as pizza. And uh, you don't get much of a variety there. There's uh, what there's... uh, Margarita. Margarita with the cheese. And, and marinara. And marinara without. So right. there's just those two kinds. For real, true con- connoisseurs of pizza in right. Naples. You never get anything else. Really? What are the two? Tell me the two different versions again. Marinara. And what is that? Just has tomato sauce on it. Okay. And margarita, which should have fresh mozzarella di bufala, which is buffalo milk ah, mozzarella. And that's a local specialty on the countryside. There. Right. Absolutely. It's All that right. melt and it's creamy. It ah, melts in your it mouth. It is so good. When you go to Naples, you've got to have the local pizza. Now, uh, let's talk about Sophia Loren. Is, um, I mean, was she from Naples? She's, she's from the Naples area. Naples area. She's yes. still alive and doing well? Yeah, she's fine, apparently. Yeah. And, Can't uh, come back to Italy because of some tax evasion problems. Was that right? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But the uh, point is, there's a beautiful, Naples is famous for its uh, voluptuous women. Yes, 
Absolutely. They're very strong women, and women are a very important part of their family. People think of Italy as a patriarchal society. It is not. It is definitely a matriarchal society. Women rule the roost. Isn't that funny? It seems like in these macho societies that the men are calling the shots, but they're really not. They're out there whistling and acting like big shots. Right, but it's the women who are at home making all the really important decisions and holding a family together, and family is of the utmost importance to all Italians. I even get that sense when I'm walking through the neighborhoods that the women are ruling the roost. Right. Organized crime. I didn't say mafia because I think mafia is Sicily, right? It's Sicilian, right. In Naples, it's called the Camorra, and it's more or less concentrated in some of the northern um, suburbs and down to the east. Um, But there are a couple of neighborhoods within Naples where they do a lot of recruiting of mafia members, and one of them is Forcella. It has sort of a reputation for this. Um, Even today? Yeah, even today. I I was traveling in North Italy last year, and I found a big prison in the middle of nowhere. And they said, the locals told me this is a prison mostly filled with um, organized mafia types from the south of Italy. They're trying to get them away. They so take them up into the north. Right. Why is that? So that they can keep them away from their clan, so they can keep so that they can keep them from doing business from jail. From jail. Right. So these clans are so good that you got one guy, an uncle that's in jail, and he's still part of the gang. Right. Wow. How are the police dealing with organized crime in Naples in particular? Um, it operates differently than it does in Sicily, so you have to attack it in different ways. It operates in the sense that each clan or family or whatever will have a territory that they hold, are responsible for, mm. that they control in some way. And so it's very difficult to make inroads into that because if you make inroads into um, getting rid of a clan in one area, another clan will just take over that area. So yeah. it's a difficult, complicated problem. And there's also the problem of protection of members of your own clan. So if someone is arrested for something, a lot of times people will go against the police because they are protecting their own. So I get a sense that the police are like, it's futile because while people don't want a lot of crime, they still, it's kind of wink, wink, and they let these families right. persist. Yes. It, it's very, very difficult. The police they told me it's like job. the weather. You know, it's just a phenomenon you deal with. It's been around for, so, it's so entrenched in there. Social fabric. It goes back to the centuries and centuries that Italy was ruled by foreign oppressors. Right. Until 1870, right? It was ruled right. by foreign invaders who, right. who ruled them like um, a slave plantation. Right, almost. who basically exploited the people. And then yeah. there were so many rich landowners who continued to exploit the people who would hire these bands of brigands to protect their land. So you got this cu- culture of Robin Hoods and so right. on. And the mafia today can be a little bit uh, swashbuckling, uh, romantic sort of heroes right. with the peasantry. Right, exactly. And that persists today. Fascinating. Is it of any concern to the tourist if you're just... No, if you're a tourist, you would probably never even know that they existed. Do people talk about the mafia? A lot of tourists are, What's about, tell me about the mafia. Yeah. No, you? Neapolitans will speak very honestly with you about it. They will. So yes. it's okay to talk about that. Absolutely, it's okay. It's I fun with, when you travel around in Naples especially. There's a lot of people with different uh, uh, gestures, gestures. And when I'm there with my big expensive TV camera... The women, when I'm in the back streets, they're pulling the bottom of their eye down. Right. They're telling you to be careful. Is that what that means? Watch out. Yeah. Tugging my eye like this. Right. Exactly. If Watch you're, out. If you have lots of big, expensive <laughs> cameras and things, the you world better get be out. careful. The right. world will get out. So we, we have to be do our work quick. Right. And then there's they brush their forefinger under their chin. This is quite offensive. You don't want to do that. What does it mean? It Basically, I'm telling you to. Stick it. Yeah. All right. What about if I screw my forefinger into my cheek? Then you're telling me that pizza you're eating is really delicious. Ah, this is delicioso. Yes. All right. And but the thing where they kiss their fingers together and they throw them into the air. Neapolitans do that a lot. What they're either mean? saying that they really like something or um, if they're speaking really lovingly about someone, they might do that. All right. I like that. Neapolitans. Naples. If you like Italy, 
you got to check out you Naples. You can't miss Naples. I'm talking with Nina Bernardo. She's a friend of mine who works with me as a tour guide. She uh, grew up in Ohio, but she spent the last 10 years in Italy, and right now she's chosen of all places to live in Naples, and we're learning why. When you travel through Naples, you've got to realize if there's two thieves, I think they're going to target the tourists. They know where the tourists go. They're not going to get mugged. You're going to get pickpocketed, most likely. Do you have any tips? How do you manage? Have you, know, have you ever been uh, mugged or ripped off over there? Yeah, actually, I've had, I have had my bag nicked there, and I've seen quite a few people have their bags taken there. Um, I would say, as a tourist, um, the best thing to do is wear a money belt, because if you have everything that's valuable there, then you don't have to worry about it. Um, I tell my friends when they come to visit me, when we're walking um, around, to take only what you are willing to lose. So just to be very careful. Even in the hotel? Um, yeah. I would leave things. My personal experience is, and I've spent 100 days a year in hotels in Europe, I, you know, you hear stories about people getting their hotel room ripped off, but you're much, much more likely to get your bag grabbed. Right, exactly. So leave your valuables in the hotel. I don't even worry about a safe. I just tuck it away. No, you know, the hotel can't be. I've never had a problem in a hotel. Or, or put it in a money belt or leave it at home. Don't take it on your trip. But right. if you got it in your purse or wallet, expect to lose it. You're not going to get mugged, really. Well, no. you, got, you got mugged or you got ripped off? Um, I was wearing a bag and someone ripped my bag off. So you hear me. about the motorcyclists or the, the motor, the best the Vespa guys that zip by you and they've got little, uh, Razor blades and they cut right, the strap. And they might cut it, or they might actually just pull it off you. But I mean, good. But they do it on the on two wheels. They're out of there. Sometimes, and sometimes they're walking by, and there you have a friend waiting for them on a Vespa. Is that right? Which so is they what just do the hand off, and then nobody knows who's got it. Right, exactly. Or they make their getaway that way. Do local women know to keep their bag on the inside? Right. If you're walking on the street, your bag is on the inside, or wear a backpack because it's more difficult. They're looking for easy targets, so don't make yourself an easy target. All right. Leona from Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, sent us an email. And she said, I've heard so many negative things about safety in Naples, but as my father's family came from there, I uh, would love to visit for at least one day. Should I ignore the warnings uh, uh, or uh, and miss this, or should I uh, visit this great city? I, I realize one one needs to be careful, um, but what, what safeguards should I take? Uh, what would you say to Leona if she's going to Naples? Uh, any, any Absolutely, she shouldn't miss. Wear a money belt, definitely. Um, try a backpack, and just be aware of your surroundings. Yeah, That's all. and go to places that are uh, well populated. You don't want to be in some dark street. Uh, right. But the, I hear you've had an, a sort of an, a very active uh, mayor recently that's uh, that's lit the streets and cracked down on crime. And right. Uh, I would say almost anywhere in Naples is safe to walk around during the day, even um, in the Quartieri Spagnoli, which get a really which have a really bad reputation. Um, at night, just stick to the streets that are heavily populated. Tell me, Nina, about the single most important site to see in Naples, if you had to choose one. It has to be the Archaeological Museum. Right. Absolutely. Why? It's got all of the treasures of Pompeii. So if you want to see any of these mm. beautiful mosaics and wonderful frescoes and statues from 1st and 2nd century BC, um, AD, BC, you have to go there. And, thankfully, that is a beautiful jumping off point for a hike through Naples to experience, I think, the uh, life in the streets. Right, exactly. So you could take a taxi or the subway from the train station to the National Museum and then essentially walk back to the station through this beautiful Spacanopoli neighborhood. Right, exactly. Spacanopoli. Uh, that means split Naples, and it's cut by a perfectly straight route road, which dates back to antiquity, doesn't it? Right. This is the Greek-Roman heart of Naples. We have Nicole from Oakton, Virginia, has sent us an email, and she said, uh, sorry to say for the person needing handicap assistance that Italy is one of the worst handicap access countries in Europe. Coupled roads, no handicap parking, and so on. It'd be hard to get around if you couldn't walk well. Um, 
anything there involves walking quite a bit. Uh, any advice for anybody who's uh, not able to walk well? It's very difficult. Taxis are maybe your only way to go. That's that's a good idea. In fact, I've got friends who are drivers in that area, and it's really quite reasonable to hire a driver for the day. You could. And even if you're just lazy, uh, you know, if you can walk just fine, you can hire a driver and get a lot accomplished in a day. Right. That's a good advice. And Nicole, Neapolitans are very friendly, so they will give you a tour of the city. Nicole also tells this story about how uh, Naples had a law, for, or Italy had a law for you must wear seatbelts. And uh, the next day, somebody had produced T-shirts that have a black stripe over them, so the police think it's you're wearing a seatbelt. It's not an urban belt. myth. That's true. Is that right? People yeah. wore T-shirts yes, that had a did. fake seatbelt. Yes. So they didn't have to wear their seatbelt. Right. Wow. Naples it, is still the only city in Italy where they're not wearing helmets on their um, Vespas, and no, that's I, been a law for a long time. That was a law, and I asked the Neapolitans when that came out, I said, next year you're going to have to wear helmets. Not in Naples, they said. No. Because and, those Neapolitans love their hair blowing in the wind. Right. In Italy, there's a huge gap between north and south. Right. Economically, culturally. Right. And from my experience, the north is really booming economically. I mean, I think Italy's per capita income has recently surpassed Britain's. And it's not because of Siena and San Gimignano. It's because of the powerhouse cities, right. Torino, uh, Genova, um, Milano. Milano. Right. Um, and in those days, northern Italy subsidized the south. Uh, the, there was a cheaper gas down there, no tolls on the freeways and right. so on. Is that still going on? That is still going on. And they have what's called the Casa per Mezzogiorno, which is basically a fund for the south of Italy. Huh. But a lot of the money that goes into that, um, there's a lot of corruption in government. There's a lot of corruption because there's a lot going on between the government and the mafia. And so a lot of that money does not get spent the way it should be. Is Naples considered part of the South? Yes, it's the capital of the South, yeah, basically. Yeah, it is. And do the northern people have a bad attitude about the South? Um, in general, yes. Yeah. I, a lot, I lived in Bologna in the north for about five years, and when I told my Bolognese friends I was moving to Naples, they all said, why would you do that? Wow. And much of northern Italy almost has a Germanic character, the Lombards. Yes. And they're more hardworking and more industrious, maybe. And a little more serious. And, yeah. and yeah. the southern Italians, ah, la dolce far niente. Exactly. Il, is it il dolce? La dolce. La dolce far niente. What la does dolce. that mean? It means the sweetness of doing nothing. We're heading south from Naples to the lemony vistas and dreamy cliff-hanging villages of the dramatic Amalfi Coast as we continue with Nina Bernardo on Travel with Rick Steves.
Because Naples itself can be so overwhelming, I usually recommend visitors stay about an hour south by train in the relaxed resort town of Sorrento. From this lemon-scented home base, there are days of side trips to enjoy. Our Neapolitan friend, Nina Bernardo, continues with us as she takes your calls and emails. 877-333-RICK. And you can join in our conversation with your stories online at ricksteves.com. Nina, when you think of Naples, it's sort of the... To me, it's the urban jungle of Europe. It's the most densely populated town with the least parks, and a lot of people think of it as lots of crime and everything. And I think it's a very important place to visit, but it's also a jumping-off point for some great places nearby. Absolutely. You could definitely use it as a base to explore the uh, Bay of Naples area. So you got the Amalfi Coast, the Bay of Naples, Capri. Right, and Ischia, Procida. Yeah. Let's talk about that. I, I would say you could wander through Naples for an afternoon, go to the Great Museum there, but you'd want a home base in a small town nearby that would be a little more comfortable. What would you recommend? Um, Sorrento is a great place. It's got great transportation connections to some of the other places. Or you could easily stay in one of the small towns along the Amalfi Coast. So if you wanted to immerse yourself in the in the Amalfi Coast, you'd stay in one of the resort towns on the coast itself. Right, absolutely. Positano would come to mind. Right, or Priano is also very nice. Priano. Yeah. And if you wanted to have a hub with good transportation connections... Sorrento would be the place to stay, definitely. And the great thing about Sorrento is it's connected by a commuter train called the Circumvesuviana to Naples. Right, exactly. And it makes all kinds of stops along the way, so you could see things like Pompeii or Herculaneum if you wanted to. So now Pompeii, and let's talk about that first of all. Uh, in the Naples area, it's most famous from a tourist point of view because of something that happened. 79 years after Christ. Right, exactly. The what big happened? explosion. The big boom for <laughs> the Naples. Big boom, yeah. And that was the uh, eruption of Mount Vesuvius. Exactly. Which uh, the, the volcano blew. It it basically buried uh, the communities, the Roman towns around there, under a hot pile of lava and mud, right? Right, exactly. Stopping life in its tracks. Right. And in modern times, we've excavated two towns, Pompeii and Herculaneum. How are they different? It's confusing to me as a tourist. Which one would I want to go to and why? Um, they're very different, and the preservation is very different. Herculaneum was covered by mud, so it's actually better preserved than Pompeii is. Pompeii was covered by ash, but they've excavated much more of Pompeii, so Pompeii is much bigger. Um, it's possibly um, a lot better organized as well. Pompeii for sightseeing. Yeah, for sightseeing, okay. exactly. But an aficionado might want to go to Herculaneum for a more exactly. intimate look at the domestic scene or something? Right, exactly. Okay. Now, if you were living there in the year 50 A.D., how would those towns be different, uh, Pompeii and Herculaneum? Um, Pompeii was much more of a town for merchants mm-hmm. and a very typical Roman town, a lot, uh, a high middle class population. Um, Herculaneum had um, a much more upper class population, so a villa, things like that. More villa. So if yeah. you wanted to see uh, aristocratic life, you would exactly. go to Herculaneum, right. named after Hercules. Yes. All right. And uh, Pompeii would be your uh, slice of life, Rome. Right. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, the, the best look we can get at life in classical Rome is with a good guide to wander through Pompeii. In Pompeii, absolutely. Yeah. It gives you a real insight into what daily life was like. Now, when you go there, you actually find, like, models of people with the expressions on their face when they died. Right. They've got sort of plaster casts. How did that happen? How did they do that? Do you know? They, um, when they were doing the excavations, what they found um, when they were digging um, was that there were, if they injected, I believe it's some kind of a plaster mold into where they believe the bodies were, when they dug around, this plaster mold was left, and so you could see the form of the body in its position 
when the explosion wow. happened. Yeah. And, and then you go into their homes and you've got the wallpaper, or the, the, the frescoes on the wall. got frescoes on the walls. The mosaics have actually all been taken out, but you've got the layout of the home. Some of the columns are still left. You can go um, and see the shops. Normally, the, uh, the way it was set up was that a homeowner would have a shop on either side of his home, so okay. you could see how a, a typical Roman town was laid out, where the theater was. The little the theater, the little fast food place, right. the uh, tavern, right, exactly. the brothel, I understand. Right, exactly, which were very important in Roman times. And there's a, actually, there's a few uh, sites there that you wouldn't want to take your kids to. Yeah, you, or you might, might want to take your kids to <laughs> if you're giving them a sex education class 2,000 right. years old. But, I mean, there's some pretty graphic mosaics on the walls or frescoes on the walls. Yes, there are. Now, uh, and uh, I think the very best of them have been taken to the Great Museum in Naples. Exactly. So right. Pompeii was excavated back before there was the country that we know, Italy. Right. And uh, what, what was the... What state was that back in the middle of the 1800s? So the south of Italy at that time was controlled by the Spanish. And so the Spanish king, who had his base in Naples, said, I want everything brought here. And so ah. everything was brought over to Napoli. So they discovered Pompeii, a great thing, Eureka. They got all these great looks at ancient Rome. And the Spanish king, who was ruling from Naples, exactly. that part of Italy at the mm-hmm. time, said, bring me all the best stuff. Right. Well, he was the man in charge. So and he had the most power. Consequently, we've got the greatest, I, I think the best, a lot of the best Roman uh, frescoes and mosaics and statuary you find in Naples. Absolutely, and it is a must-see. So if you're going to go to Pompeii or Herculaneum, it's really not complete unless you go to the Great Museum in Naples. You're really missing out. You've got only part of the picture. Hugely important. Also, can you actually go to the top of Vesuvius, the volcano itself? Yes, you can. It's actually very easy to do. And How do you do that? It's a worthwhile experience. You can either take, they have these new city sightseeing buses in mm-hmm. Napoli that do these excursions where you drive through what they uh, pass the Vesuvian villas mm-hmm. and then all the way up and then it's a about a 30 minute walk to the top of the crater is it still alive is there steam coming out of it there's this is the dangerous part of vesuvius is there's no steam coming out so the, they're watching it very very carefully but that's what's the difference between this and mount etna is that mount etna blows every once in a while the volcano in Sicily. right exactly right. Um, instead vesuvius is very very quiet so when it does blow and it will it's going to be big. Oh, so from a geological point of view, steam's better because it's, right. it's letting it slip out exactly, without right. much uh, problem. Yeah, right. So it's saving up for another big bang. Right. Wow. And you can still go up there and look down into that crater. And you can if you still want go to. up and look down in that crater. Have you ever right. done it? I have, just recently actually. How was it? It's fun. I love it. And then from there, I imagine you can look out and see the whole sweeping Bay of Naples. Right. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous a huge view. city. Uh, the ruins of Pompeii below you, and then in the distance, you got Sorrento, which is the gateway to the Amalfi Coast. Right. Let's talk about the Amalfi Coast for a minute. You got Sorrento, which is sort of a resort town now, and I, I just love Sorrento. It's my famous home, favorite home base in the area. And then you got this treacherous road going over like breathtaking cliffs that go down to these beaches and uh, beautiful people towns. I mean, this is where a lot of jet city types go, I think, and lots of boutiques and fancy right. shops and uh, lots of climbing of hills to get down to the beach. Right. Yeah, you have to be ready for the walking, definitely. It's but part it's of life. yeah, but it's worth it. It's some of the most beautiful coastline in Italy. So, wow. Yeah, What's and some of the funnest driving in Italy as well. Now you make uh, some of the funnest driving, yeah, yeah. and it's. Uh, um, I, I understand they only go in one direction on one day, or what's the limits on the traffic? Do you right, know for tour buses, yes, only one direction right. on certain days in between certain towns. Policemen are posted at tight corners just to make sure things. Well, keep we're in Italy, so they're not always posted. Not always posted. <laughs> now from Sorrento, you can uh, take boats out to the islands nearby. Right. Everybody knows about Capri. How would you um, describe and contrast Capri and the less touristed island of Ischia? 
Um, they're very different. Capri is really the jet set island, so upper class kind of boutique shopping, etc. Itzke is much more down to earth island. It's much bigger, it's much greener, um, and it's been famous since Roman times for its thermal springs, its thermal spas. So the Roman emperors, when they wanted to vacation, went down to their villains along the Bay of Naples or the ones they had built on Ischia and took advantage of the thermal spas. Roman emperors had their little getaways on the island of Ischia for the mineral springs. Right, exactly. I didn't know that. Can you still see these villas? Um, yes, I believe you still can visit one now, or two of them. So a lot of the locals will go to Ischia today still, but um, international tourism heads for Capri. Right, international. Is, Although it, is it Capri or Capri? Capri. Must sound funny to hear Americans saying. I think you're talking about the pants. The pants, yeah. So because it's tough for me, Capri. I I always want to say Capri. (laughs) Now, when you go to Capri, Capri, you want to see the Blue Grotto. Absolutely, you do. It's a must see. When was the last time you were at the Blue Grotto? Oh, it's been a long time since I was at the Blue Grotto. Been there, done that. Yeah, (laughs) but I go to Capri often because the the swimming there is beautiful. So I go for the swimming. Okay, the the Blue Grotto is something all the tour groups are going to want to do. Absolutely, and it's uh, quite an quite an experience. I just did it about a year ago, and you you um, make a deal with a boatman, and then they take you on what's a very scenic cruise halfway around the island, and then you transfer from your big boat to little rowboats, and these guys are all congested there outside of this little tiny hole in the cliff, and if there's a wave, you get in your in your dinghy, Mm -hmm. and there's two or three tourists per dinghy. You make a deal with the guy, and then if the if the ti- if the water's high and if there's swells and waves, he's got to wait until the bottom of the wave, and then there's a chain that goes through the hole into the grotto, and he pulls you through that chain at the low water, and you're laying down literally under the chairs on your dinghy so that they can pull you into the grotto, and then you're into this you just squirt into this blue wonderland, and because of the I don't know the, the 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 stones on the floor of the cave or something under the water, there's this wonderful blue reflected light everywhere. And then he rows you around the uh, the grotto, and he sings, you know, O Solo Mio or some nice operatic song. And it's very magical. Song. It is magical. And then you got to bribe him to take you out because <laughs> these guys are really pirates. And then you get back out of there, and you head on back to the the main port, and then you can explore the rest of the island. One thing neat about uh, one thing unique about Capri is the um, open top taxis. Oh, those are fabulous. They have them in Ischia as well. Do they? Yeah, okay, so that's the little micro taxis. Yep. All right. Well, hey, we've got somebody calling us from Texas, Drina from Round Rock. Thanks for calling. Hi. Hi, Rick. How are you? Great. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. Are you heading down to southern Italy? Actually, we have been to southern Italy. How was your experience? Just recently, and we took your advice about staying in Sorrento and using that as our base. Mm-hmm. We loved it. Now, did you go into Naples from Sorrento? Yes, we did. Was we it, went everywhere. Was we it went, scary? Yeah. Was it rewarding? Was it worth the trouble? Naples was wonderful, but it was very intense. <laughs> That's a good when, way to put it, wonderful and intense. And I think when you, you said in your book that if Rome was too intense, you shouldn't go farther south, you were really correct. Right. It was really intense. We had our two young daughters with us, and we really enjoyed it. We loved walking through the city. People were very friendly. Even though it was really crowded, they took the time to talk to us and point things out to us along the way. And All right. You were there with your family? Yes. My daughters are nine and seven. Did they like it? They loved it. Why? They, Southern Italy was actually their favorite part of our whole trip. I can imagine. My son, who's 18, just got back, and I wanted him to go to Germany and Prague, and he went straight for Southern Italy and <laughs> Sicily, and he loved it. It's colorful, and there's Pizza. lots of wonderful smells, and the food is great, and it's it's just very Italian feeling, and they really liked that part. Drina from Texas, uh, apart from Naples, uh, you had a home base in Sorrento, the comfortable resort town. What were your highlights uh, from side-tripping from Sorrento? Well, let's see. We uh, The girls, of course, love Pompeii. 
Um, we loved the Amalfi Coast, and Positano was our favorite place. So why do you um, like Positano? Because it's just such a beautiful beach town. It just seems really well-preserved, you know. The shops were very colorful and obviously geared to to tourists, but still just really colorful and interesting. And you got to like Positano. It's almost traffic-free, right? The big road goes above the town. Right. And, and a steep walk down to the beach. There's almost no main square. It seems like it, it gathers down by the beach. Right. It just kind of ends down there by the beach. And, and you go down this 200-meter-long uh, gauntlet of fancy boutiques. Right. And you got <laughs> and wealthy you people have your retired steep, there. Your you got to have your what? Walking shoes on. Your walking shoes and your visa card ready to go. Right. It's steep, but it's really worth the trip. Beautiful. Any other advice for our listeners about uh, exploring the area around uh, Amalfi Coast? You know, I think Amalfi was probably one of the least interesting stops, but definitely worth stopping. And uh, I think just taking the time to see the coast and how they have all those buildings nestled in there and the Turkish watchtowers, it's all just something you wouldn't want to miss. Yeah, the Turkish watchtowers, that goes back to pirate days, doesn't it? Right. So every little ways they'd have a, a tiny fortress. Right, and they're everywhere. It's just really, once you know to look for them, it's really neat to pick them out. Hey, thanks very much, Drina, for your call. Thank you. Happy travels. Bye-bye. And we have Steve on the line from El Dorado Hills in California. Steve, thanks for calling. You're welcome. Got any questions for Nina about the uh, area south of Naples? Sure. Uh, We intend to be spending two to three days in the Naples area. Never been there. But we've had wonderful experiences in London and Paris with walks, guided walks. And we're wondering, actually, we're hoping for any advice you might have on good walks in the area that would be guided. So you would make, uh, I would imagine, let's assume you're going to make Sorrento your home base and you're going to explore the Amalfi Coast. Uh, Nina, what would be a good hike for people to take? Um, Good walking would be between the Amalfi Coast towns. You can walk between them, and that's really a nice way to see them. Are there paths? Um. Yes and no. Yes and <laughs> it's no. not like the Cinque Terre where you're actually walking on a, a traffic-free path. So no. sometimes you'd be along a road. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And there are hikes in the area around Sorrento that are popular. And you could talk with local people about taking a bus up to the top of some hill and then hike back into town. One thing, one thing very interesting, I think, is to go to one of the funky little working-class beach resorts that are private beaches where the local people go and they pay a few bucks to rent a spot on the beach with a lounge chair and you'd be sort of immersed in the Italian uh, sun-worshipping scene. The other thing is that Mount Vesuvius is a national park, so there are some hikes that you could do there, and any tourist information office would be able to give you some brochures about that. Wonderful. All right, Steve, thanks for your call. Thank you. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. I'm talking with Nina Bernardo, who lives in Naples, and uh, we're talking about how Naples is sort of an urban jungle, and you got to check it out, but you want to make your home base an hour south in the town, the resort town of Sorrento. And from Sorrento, there's a number of well-known islands. All the Americans go to Capri. But, uh, Nina, what island do you like best? My favorite island is Ischia, definitely, which is very near Capri, but it's much bigger and much greener than Capri is, um, a little more down-to-earth than Capri is. So it would have less international tourism and more local tourists? Right. A lot of Italians and quite a few Germans, but mostly Italians. Germans love their spas. Yes, absolutely. And so do the Italians. <laughs> okay. So tell me, take me to a spa on Ischia. So my favorite spa on Ischia is called Negombo, and it's sort of at the northern end of the island. So when you arrive with your boat um, at the port, you can either take one of the micro-taxis or a local bus. It's very easy to get there. And you go into this spa, and it's um, Ischia is an island of thermal hot springs. So what they've done is organize it into different pools and you pay an entrance fee to get in. And this spa in particular has all of their pools terraced, so it's sort Mm. of beautiful atmosphere, and then they've got private beach access. And you go into these hot springs and cold springs and um, 
pool. So, so there's a routine. You got the hot yeah. ones, the te- the temperate ones, exactly. and, the, and the frigid ones. Just like in a, in Pompeii, when you look at when you right. tour the, the spas at Pompeii. Right, just like that. So you could pretend that you were a Roman emperor coming to your own personal villa. Now, would, it, would a tourist not speaking Italian be able to manage there? Do they have instructions? Is it complicated? Yeah, it would be very easy. Yes, it would be very easy to do that. Do you keep your bathing suit on? Yes, you do. There's no nude spas like in Germany. No, no nude spas, although there is a lot of topless sunbathing in Italy. So because there is a private beach there, you might see some I see. women. And is so the spas are open to men and women at all times yes. together? Yeah. Yes. All right. Now, you might, after the spa, be in a very relaxed mood and want a little bit of lemoncello. That would be fabulous. So you would find a really nice restaurant to I eat. I wish people could see the look on your face <laughs> when I said lemoncello. <laughs> It's what is it my, about this lemon cello? Because it's one of my favorite digestivos, and Italians are very, um, uh, sort of, they're obsessed about their digestivos. And so after a really nice meal, you want something to help your body digest, and limoncello is one of the great ways to do that. And it's, this is the area it's from. It's the best limoncello is made around Sorrento. It's made with these beautiful large lemons that you'll see everywhere. And it's made with the uh, rind of a lemon and huh. basically pure grain alcohol. Is that right? So it's yes. a lemon fire water. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Very sweet, very concentrated, and very, very good. Are they just uniform quality, or are there different brands that people see? No, there are many, many different brands. The best will come from that area, and a lot of places in Sorrento will offer you a taste test, so you could walk in and just try some limoncello and sample different brands and decide which ones you like. You know the lemon grove in Sorrento? Oh, yeah. There's a public, it's like a public park, and it's just a lemon grove, olive, I mean, lemon, lemon trees and orange trees, I guess, and you wander through there, and it's so fragrant and so shady and so nice, and then you find these picnic tables, and this family apparently just makes their living selling products, drinkable products from the lemon. And you've got great lemonade, you've got limoncello, you've got all sorts of lemon treats. Right. It's fabulous. And if you can meet um, any of the locals, a lot of people make their own limoncello, and that's some of the best I've ever had. When I was working on my television show for public television, we just desperately wanted to get, you know, close to the ground and meet some people. And I was down in uh, the town of Amalfi, and I, I've got a friend that runs a little uh, guest house there. And I told him, I'd love to go to uh, some place to, to see limoncello or lemonade. Lemon, I need just to get some lemons. And his eyes lit up, and he took me right to his dad's place. We climbed up into the orchard, picked the lemons. He was he is like so, just like breathing for them to make that lemonade and serve it to their guests. Yes, it's wonderful. We've been talking with Nina Bernardo, who's an American uh, who's living in Naples. Thank you very much for joining us. We've been exploring the south of Italy, the area just south of Naples, the Amalfi Coast. Thank you so much, Nina. You're welcome. Ciao. Ciao. Travel with Rick Steves is produced by Tim Tatton at Europe Through the Back Door in Edmonds, Washington. Join us next time as we travel with Rick Steves. Beautiful. Thank you. Pasta. Bene. Pasta. Bene. This podcast of Travel with Rick Steves was brought to you by Travelocity. You can plan your next adventure by visiting Travelocity.com.